Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. earlier could you help me adjust my belt when I get up there it's very kind of him tuck my pants in that sort of thing trying to be appropriate up front um wow so first of all I'm glad that we're achieving big things especially teaching people to play FIFA that's been one of my dreams actually um so that's that's good no thank you um uh, the Dybals are a particularly fantastic family because uh three of them volunteer regularly on the bus that's pretty cool I think that deserves a round of applause um it, it genuinely like worth their weight in gold, near enough volunteers that come once a month. We, we're always needing them, so uh, please do get involved if, if you want to after you've heard what I have to say. That may encourage you or put you off. Let's find out. Um, uh, I also just wanted to thank Leslie, um, who also came up the front. Thank you for your commitment. Um, Joel and Emily, good to see you up front. They also turn up on the bus on a regular basis to help us out. Johnny Mitchell's been down a couple of times. Um, and also, there's been a couple of fantastic uh, families that have been washing for us. So thank you uh, to them. Um, and I think, um, yeah, before I go on, I just wanted to read a little bit um, from the Word. We are in church, after all. Um, this comes from 2 Corinthians 5, and it's, it's verses 17 to 20 you want to follow. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled to the world, uh, sorry, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's pretty good, isn't it? And he has committed us With a message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Wow, that's pretty awesome. (coughs) I'm not going to assume that everybody who's here today um, can confidently say they know God. Um, It might be you're here for the first time, or you're just exploring God. In that case, that's really exciting. Um, I want you to know that God is reconciling the world to himself. What that means is he wants us to be back into a relationship with him. Um, And so when we looked at the situation in Manchester with the homeless, at the time I was working for the Message Trust, so I know the Oaks very well. Do come and hear that, by the way, because that will be really interesting. One of uh, the guys who's recently housed from the bus has gone to the Oaks, actually, so you might hear Steve's story. I was working with the Message Trust. I'd grown a fleet of double-decker buses from one to five, and we'd sort of learn, I guess, how to do things that were never really designed for with a a bus (laughs) Um, and sort of uh, use them, I suppose, uh, to reach people. Um, But the whole time, I'd had this real heart for the homeless. Um, I'd been out to volunteer. I'd had a go at Sleeping Rough to try and understand what it's about, to understand what it's like. Um, And I I said to Andy Hawthorne, who was my boss at the time, I said, look, when I get to five buses, I have to move on because I've got to do something for the homeless. And so he's very kindly supported us in moving on. Um, And so uh, 
Uh, on the 8th of January, myself and four friends, one of, James, why don't you give us a wave? This is James. Stand up, James. James. <laughs> James has a magnificent beard and is also a top bloke. Uh, not in that order. Um, but um, afterwards, if you want to talk to someone, um, I'm going to be busy taking people to look round the bus that you might have noticed. So if you're thinking, yeah, but I, I want to talk to someone or sign up to volunteer or support in some way, please go and see James. He'll, he'll be at the back. Um, so I guess I began looking around and thinking, okay, God, how, how do we be ambassadors of your kingdom? You know, what does that mean? Um, and, uh, and I suppose there's, it's very clear from Scripture that the Lord wants us to serve the poor and that we meet God in, in, the poor, in amongst the poor. For me, that's been a real thing. I've often, I know God is always with us, but felt that closeness of being with him when I'm amongst the poor. Mm. And there's something about that. There's something biblical about that. You know, Jesus said, whenever you do this for the, for the least uh, uh, of people, you do it for me. There's something about serving the poor that directly blesses God's heart, which is pretty cool, isn't it? We've been here this morning singing praises to a good God and uh, another way that we can praise him is to go and serve those who are uh, lacking. Um, and the truth is, unless we know Jesus, we're all of us homeless in an eternal sense. There's, there's a bigger issue than, than being without a house on this earth. And so our first mission at Embassy is to share the gospel, actually. Um, if you look us up on the Charities Commission, you probably won't because you have a life and stuff, but if you were really bored one day and you looked us up, you'd see that there's two aims of Embassy, and the first one is to share the gospel. The second one is to help alleviate poverty. And both those things are on God's heart. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I was enjoying singing that, where the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. How true is that? And, and I think, you know, it's very easy to go, to be faced like we are uh, daily on the bus with significant levels of poverty and challenge and sometimes think, is just sharing the gospel really helping these people? Um, which is why we love to actually come in and help, do the whole help. But actually it's true. Sharing the gospel does bring help. I was talking uh, only two nights ago, I was covering a shift for someone and I was talking to a guy who'd grown up a Muslim and had run away from it because he felt so... Uh, kind of oppressed in the situation he'd been grown up in. Things like people trying to force him to marry people and very difficult relationship with his family. And they'd sort of kicked him out. Uh, and I'm not saying that all Muslims do that, by the way. This is just his story. And this guy said to me, do you know what? I'm, I'm so sick of anything to do with religion and I don't want to know about it. He said, however, <laughs> he said, there's something about you Christian guys he said, you, you listen and you don't force stuff on me. You, you, want, you actually care about me. He said, there's nobody in this world really that cares about me, but you guys care about me. And, it, and it, some people, um, you really can just tell them the gospel first time you meet them and they respond. You can. Um, other people, it's like you need to build a, a bridge before you can get to them. You know, It's like if you've got a two-ton bridge, you can't get a ten-ton bus across it. We know that because we drive a bus. Uh, and so it's true with the gospel. For some people, there's too much pain to accept God straight away. But there's something beautiful about these people living with us because people come to us and then they stay with us two, three, four months, five months sometimes. And we see them every single night. And at quarter past nine every evening, we do a little Bible study and we explore something more of who God is. And people do respond. And for me, that's, like, that's the best thing that can happen. The second best thing that can happen is when we see someone get housed. Uh, so in the last two months, there's 10 chaps that have left us 
moved on to, to live in permanent accommodation. Most of that being uh, in uh, th their own flat or shared accommodation. Um, actually, most of the time, they don't even have any benefits, which is pretty cool. Most shelters are not aiming for that standard. They're mostly saying, hopefully, at some point, this person will move on, and if we can get them somewhere on benefits, great. Well, that's okay, but we like to see people get into full-time work. So there's seven guys that we've got into full-time work recently. Um, we work with a range of construction companies, hotels, all sorts. We ask for living wage full-time and, and a long contract, so a couple of years, that kind of thing. Because um, that's really, that's what it takes to get people off the ground. Um, we talk to our guys, we say, look, uh, they all want the same thing. They all think, I would like to get in a flat in the next week or so. The problem is, just like anybody else, um, everybody has baggage and issues that they come with. Um, we all have them, don't we, if we're honest. Things that we're working through. Uh, and so often we think, ah, yeah, the thing is, if we housed you next week, uh, you would be the same person with all the same problems just surrounded by some bricks. That, <laughs> a lot of people think their problems or their addictions will go because they're housed. And so we say, look, you need to... It's like building a building. Uh, the roof is the accommodation. That's fantastic. But what's going to hold the roof up? Well, okay, Sid, the walls are going to hold my roof up. Okay, what do you think that is? I don't know. Well, you need to pay for it, so a job. Okay, let's get a job. Can you get me a job and get me housed in the next month then? Well, we could probably get you a job, but then the thing is, what, how are you going to turn up to work? Who does that rely on? Well, it relies on me. Yeah, okay. So what's the bit wall built on? The foundation. Ah, okay. So maybe before we get you a job, we need to work on the foundation. And so for a lot of people, that means dis discovering who they are in God, um, finding forgiveness and hope and, and healing from the past. We have a lot of men who come to us uh, having actually been through abuse when they're younger, once you, once you sort of get to know them and talk it through. Um, we have quite a few guys come out of the army. Um, I remember one of the first guys who ever got housed uh, whilst on the bus, a lovely guy, he'd come out of the Marines, uh, discharged on mental health grounds, and, uh, and we all loved him to bits. Um, and, and he was doing well. He was pretty much getting off the drink, which he'd been on, to sort of cope with some of the trauma that he was carrying. Um, and then he got housed, quite surprisingly, by another organisation that works with people coming out of the army. And we were like, oh, that was easy. Fantastic. Um, three weeks, and he had a full-time job as well on a building site. Three weeks later, he came back to the bus in tears, and after a little bit of effing and jeffing, um, we worked. He sort of said, look, what's going on? He said, I've been sleeping on the floor for the last three weeks. I don't know how to uncap the gas or electric. I don't know what council tax is. I don't know how to pay it. I don't know how to set up bills. I've never cooked a meal in my life, and I've never been shopping or budgeted. Because he joined the army at 17. And so you see, we can assume that someone's ready to move on, but they're not. So we do a lot of working on the foundation. It's about getting people ready to move on. So some people are genuinely with us for a matter of days, and others are with us for quite a few months. Um, and uh, what we love to do is support them. Now, when we began on the 8th of January, we had uh, four full-time staff, which is a scary place to start a charity, because <laughs> you have to pay for them. Uh, and you have to train them all to drive a bus without crashing it, which is, well done, James, no crashing so far. Uh, and so that was a bit of a leap, but then we very quickly thought, you know what, we, we have to do something in the daytime as well. So we employed a guy called Leighton, who works Monday to Friday daytime, and a few evenings because he's a nice guy. Uh, and um, we do a lot of uh, holding people's hands through the resettlement process, getting them into work, uh, and visiting them now after they're housed, seeing them once a week to make sure things like bills and council tax and furniture are organised. Um, the statistics are 
that half the people who are housed in Manchester from street homelessness choose to go back to the street because of loneliness or feeling they don't know how to manage a flat. How sad is that? Half. Um, I don't want to see the same faces coming through the bus unless they're coming back to volunteer, which does happen sometimes. Um, and so that's great that we've seen 10 guys off the street in the last two months. Um, if the statistics are true, five of them will be back at some point. Now, so far, so good. But I think it's because we're doing those visits, we're engaging with people, we're trying to make sure they're set up. We do things like get them an email address, buy them a mobile phone, uh, take them to work on day one. It's that kind of uh, trying to connect people up. And so that, that's how we work. People come to us from various councils and charities around Manchester. When I first sort of broached the idea of a homeless shelter on a bus with Manchester City Council, they were a bit baffled because they'd never heard of it. <laughs> which was handy, because they said to me, look, if you want to set up a shelter, there's a, a huge amount of uh, um, work's going to go into planning permission, and also there's a whole load of policy around uh, um, sort of running a shelter um, that you're going to have to meet, a whole load of, of, of standards <laughs> that are quite difficult to meet. Are you sure you want to do this? And I said, what if it was a homeless shelter on a tour bus? And the lady said to me, oh... We've never heard of that. There is no legislation for that. I said, could you leave it that way? And she laughed and said, <laughs> and said um, yeah, OK. And she said, oh, yeah, of course you won't have to. There won't be any planning commission. You won't even pay council tax. I was like, it's good, isn't it? She was like, yeah, it's quite clever, yeah. And, so, <laughs> and then I said, could you go away and find any problems, hurdles that I'm going to hit at a council level later? Because uh, I know that sort of thing happens, no offence. And she said, all right, we'll go away. Came back two weeks later and said, the council would like to ask that you don't park on double yellow lines. <laughs> so I said, I'm sure we can manage that. Um, this, this is the bus. Um, it was touring uh, Coldplay and Snow Patrol and Tiny Temper until a couple of years ago. Um, we raised the funds through friends and family mostly uh, and a, char a company in Manchester... It's got um, 14 bunks upstairs. It's got, um, there they are. Uh, do you know what? Most shelters are a mattress on the floor or, if you're lucky, a bed. Um, sometimes it really is sleeping bags on the floor in a church hall somewhere. That's good, but I just really felt like if Jesus was homeless and that's who we're serving, would I feel comfortable putting up Jesus on a mattress on the floor or would I be a bit embarrassed? And I thought, you know what, God... If this was you, I'd like it to be a memory foam mattress with a bit of privacy and somewhere decent. And so that's what we've got on the bus. Um, and uh, if it was okay for, for the A-lister bands that toured on it, hopefully it's okay for these guys. These are God's VIPs, you know. These are so important to God. In God's upside-down kingdom, these guys rank right up at the top. And so if we have a little look through... Um, yeah, so this guy's Danny. He's more than happy for me to share his name. Um, he's recently been housed, uh, uh, and uh, he's doing well. This was him on his birthday. He's a big Man City fan. Uh, some people have to be, you know. Uh, and um, so, so is James, actually. Uh, and um, so a lovely company uh, made him Man City cupcakes, which he then shared with other people, uh, some of which were willing to eat them. And then... Um, this is us going out and um, playing football. Um, we love to try and do more than just be a shelter or a programme. There's something very exhausting about the whole process. We find that every meeting people go to is really intense. It's will you or won't you be allowed to see your children again? Will you or won't you get these benefits you need? Uh, will you or won't you um, be housed this month? They're, none of them are sort of small topics. And so we find the guys come to us very emotionally tired 
So sometimes it's nice to put the homeless label on the shelf for a bit and do something different. So this was us at the gathering, Christian Vision for Men's Thing. We went away for the weekend of a load of guys. Um, the other nice thing about having a tour bus is you can drive to the beach. So this was us up at Lidenton and the other week, back before the rain happened. Um, this was us at the Mesh Cafe having uh, <laughs> breakfast one morning. Um, and so, yeah, that's us camping. I know you might not think homeless people want to go camping, but they did, so that was surprising. <laughs> we, had, we had a good time. Uh, in some ways, it's like, wow, here we are able to have a holiday. When was the last time these guys thought they might have a holiday? Well, they certainly weren't expecting one in the next three years, so it was good fun to go away and uh, be topless for a bit, so that was good. Um, I suppose, I, I'd, what, I'd, can we go to the next slide, is that all right? Yeah, so I suppose in terms of tangible things that we've done, we've had 72 guests uh, since the 8th of January, and we've provided, it's now over 2,000 nights off the street. I had a go at sleeping rough just because I wanted to be able to empathise a little bit. It wasn't much fun. I, I can't honestly say I slept rough because I didn't sleep. Um, and what we found is uh, when we did our research, all the homeless guys we were speaking to said that on average they were getting no more than two hours of sleep in every 24-hour period. So if you run that on for a few months, it actually doesn't matter how intelligent or educated you are. And some of them are. You know, the first guy who stayed on the bus was an accountant, and things have gone wrong for him. So um, we've had a guy who built a very complex machinery for, for, for laboratories. You know, so we've had some bright guys on the bus. Um, one of the guys we just housed speaks four languages. Uh, he now works six days a week at a construction firm where we found him a job. But he's also studying um, IT security at university at the same time. Some of these guys are, are more intelligent than me, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I just drive a bus and ask people for cash. That's sort of what I do. Uh, and so, well, um, yeah, we've managed to get guys into jobs with uh, these companies. Uh, and um, we've got upcoming jobs with a load of other firms, which is exciting. You might be sat here today going, I own a company. I could do with a couple of guys to come on and do some uh, low-level, sort of low-skilled, entry-level jobs. Please talk to me afterwards, because um, we'd love that. Or you just might know someone else who owns a company. Um, really, that's how all these things came about, unlikely connections. And yet, um, so far, uh, we've put eight guys into full-time jobs, and seven of them are still there. So that, I think that's pretty good. Uh, the, the general manager of the Hilton on Deansgate contacted me a couple of weeks back to say, Jonathan is such a good employee. Uh, he's awesome. Please, could you send me more people from the bus? Uh, so some of these guys are doing so well that they're paving the way for the next guy. Uh, here on the right is Edgar. He is more happy than that. I think it's just unfortunate framing on the picture. Um, Edgar's now not on the bus anymore. He has, he's contacted me to say he's coming back to volunteer. Um, he was living with us for a while, uh, quite a few months. Um, we got him a full-time job with Astins, who worked with Balfour Beatty. So he's building the new university buildings at the moment. Uh, his contract is two years and then subject to review, so hopefully he's there for a good time. Um, and then uh, his manager's in the middle, and then there's some people from ITV. This will be on the news uh, in a few days' time, uh, which is cool. And then that's my uh, large face on the left. Uh, next. <laughs> uh, this is us with the lovely people from Greg's. Um, does anyone from here work for Greg's? No, okay, just now I can tell this joke. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you saw on the news, but um, the scientists have recently found uh, the gene that causes obesity. Turns out she worked at Greg's the whole time, so that's, that's my Greg's joke. Um, the, the, but to be fair to Greg's, they feed us four nights a week, which is pretty cool. If you are thinking, 
I would like to help Sid, but I can only give a, an early evening. Um, if you work in Manchester, um, we really appreciate it. There's quite a few people who do this, but it's good to have a few people to, for backup. Um, there's a number of people who, uh, Monday through to Thursday, on their way home from work, go via three of the city centre Greg's places, pick up a load of stuff and drop it off for us in Salford. Maybe you could help us with that. Um, we're not officially allowed to give you pasties, so we can't pay you in pasties. Uh, next picture. Yeah, again, companies are getting involved, which is exciting for me because um, it it's leading to work uh, for some of our guys. We'll just keep going through. Uh, just to a brief mention, just in case there's someone here who owns the company who would like to get involved, um, I've got, this is the first um, sort of embassy support team meal. It needs a shorter title. Um, and we're, we're doing another one at the end of November for companies that want to just explore what it's about. Uh, the Lowry Hotel are very kindly feeding us, 20 of us for free, three-course meal, five-star, so it's pretty nice. Uh, don't just come for that. Come because you're considering supporting. But if you own a company that might like to get involved in some way, uh, that's what that's about. So ask me about that. Um, I wanted to show you a couple of things. Um, and then I'll, I'll share some stories. Is that OK? Because I think stats are great, but stories are, are better, aren't they? Um, but if you're thinking about Christmas, hopefully you are at some point, um, if you have someone in your family like my dad, you won't have your, my dad in your family. Uh, you'll have a different person. But if you have someone like my dad who is impossible to buy things for, if I say to my dad, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, oh, nothing, son. Just having you come home for Christmas. <laughs> Like, right, great. So what that really means is I now have to go and guess uh, what Dad needs, uh, which is hard work. Um, uh, so, yeah, so because if I didn't get him anything, then he'd be upset. So that's the annoying thing about that. So this is a great, great thing to get people like my dad. I mean, you can get one for my dad if you want. He'll end up with loads. Um, and uh, this, this is really just a piece of card. It's got no real value, so um, just to... But what, what we do is we charge £28 for these. Um, they go in a Christmas card or what have you, and they're a pretty good gift. Um, and it's the value, it's the cost for us to run one bed for the night. Uh, and so um, you can effectively say, I've paid to, to lift somebody off the street for a night. Now, don't worry, it doesn't mean that if you buy two of these on night three, we kick them out. That's not how it works. It's the equivalent cost. But I think they're quite nice. Um, people like those. Um, people like receiving them, actually, because it's... Is more meaningful than socks or something. So, um, cool. Um, there's also uh, this, which is a, a standing order form. Um, to be honest with you, at the moment, only 23% of our income is regular. That's because we only started in January. Um, but because we've had to take on five staff to make this really work, um, uh, yeah, we, it's, it's kind of been a big mammoth effort. Um, so... Um, yeah, if you're thinking, okay, yeah, I'd like to get involved, regular support would be incredible. There's, at the moment, obviously, 77%, I have to just go, ah, God, you'll provide somehow. And he does. Um, but we, we do lose about eight grand a month at the moment. That's the kind of balance of in and out. So if you, if you were thinking, yeah, okay, I can support you for £10 a month or, or, or more or less, uh, that would be amazing. Um, James will help you fill one of these out. The nice thing is all you have to do is fill it out and leave it with us. We do the rest. We'll take it to the bank and, and put it in for you. Um, ideally, don't take it home and plan to fill it out because what will happen is it will live on your fridge or on your mantelpiece, and in six months you'll go, oh, I meant to do that. Uh, sort of thing that happens to me anyway. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that would be awesome. Um, 
and then uh, volunteering would be incredible. We've heard from a couple of great volunteers. Um, we're always looking for more volunteers. Um, the norm is once a month, um, and you can volunteer overnight. That would be amazing as well. Um, and so I suppose uh, a lot of people think, oh, no, I'll get no sleep, uh, which is why we get a lot of people going, okay, then I'll do Friday night because Saturday I can sleep. Actually, we need... Uh, people every night of the week and you do tend to get about five six hours of sleep so it's not too bad if you work in the city center you beat the traffic to work so that's another bonus there um so <laughs> those are some thoughts um i want to finish on a few stories and then what i'm going to do is open the floor to questions because i find people have lots of questions around this issue uh and i'm more than happy to share so if they if you've got questions um we'll answer those in a second um there you go you could be a lovely volunteer like some of these people. Um, yeah, so I suppose I just want to share some stories. Um, I think it's important for you guys to know that we do share the gospel regularly. Um, this is the lifeblood of what we do. We've got um, uh, some, some lovely stories of people encountering Jesus and, and finally getting it who he is. Um, I suppose I, I also want to share some stories of how people become homeless. We, if I'm honest with you, I thought there might be sort of four or five classic ways people become homeless that we'd say, oh, here we go, these are the typical things. Um, the reality is we've seen so many, it's been astonishing. You know, there was even one guy whose house had burnt down, you know, who's <laughs> literally homeless because it wasn't there anymore. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it is relationship break- breakdowns. We had a guy, I'm going to call him Tom because he isn't called Tom. He came to us um, in February, and um, he still, for me, stands out as the saddest story we've had. Um, he'd been working in Europe. He was an engineer fitting conveyor belts into factories. Uh, he'd, he'd told me he'd worked in five different countries. He's working for his cousin's company. Um, so he would have thought that's a fairly safe position to be. <laughs> um, but his cousin lost a load of contracts and had to make uh, 30 people redundant. Uh, and he said to me, to be honest with you, Sid, I wasn't that worried at that point. I was coming home anyway because I was about to... My wife, well, his girlfriend was about to give birth to their first child. They'd been told they had a very low chance of even conceiving, so it was a really exciting time for them. And um, when he got home, the baby was born, lived for 12 days, and then passed away. Um, and at that point, um, his relationship with his partner fell apart. They didn't quite handle that trauma. And she asked him to go stay at a friend, so he stayed at his friend's place. So in a month, he'd lost his job, his baby, his other half, and his home. And that's quite a hard month. Um, and so he stayed at his friends for a while, but he hit the drink a little bit. Uh, he didn't know the Lord, didn't have much hope, and, uh, and ended up on the street. Now, so by the time he came to us, it was only a few months later, and he'd already, on his own, kicked the drink and stopped taking cocaine, which was great. Uh, but he had this huge kind of void, you know. He was just saying he was in so... He was clearly grieving, you know. Every time you talked to him, he'd well up. There was a lot of pain uh, on different levels. Um, and what's amazing is in that context, um, he loved to hear about God. He loved the Bible studies. He loved to be prayed with. He had a, uh, this horrible um, trapped nerve in his shoulder, gave him a lot of pain. He used to lean on the wall to sort of alleviate it a bit. Uh, one of our team prayed for that. And he got healed. And he was like, that's pretty crazy. Uh, and uh, and, and so I love that stuff. Um, and um, one evening, James was praying with him. You'll remember this. And uh, James didn't know the family history, but this guy's mum had disowned him when he was 15. He's now 30 uh, for some misdemeanor. He, I think he'd, he'd been to young offenders for, for too 
two weeks, and his mum had gone, right, that's it, I'm not talking to you. But they still had each other's mobile numbers 15 years later. So she would, he said, very occasionally I get a text, but it's something negative. She never speaks to me on the phone. So that's quite hard. And James didn't know this story, so he said, hey, can I pray for your family? I'd feel like maybe the Lord's prompting me to pray for your family. If I'd been there, I'd have been like, no. no. Uh, anyway, so this guy, so Tom said, uh, you can if you want, you know. James prays for his family, and he goes, you know what, that actually felt a lot better than I thought it was going to. And then a couple of minutes later, his phone rings, and it's his mum. And he hasn't heard from her for 15 years. And she said, hi, son. I don't know why, but I just suddenly felt like I had to call you, like I just absolutely had to speak to you and, and say sorry and make up for, what, for, for not being in your life. Shall we go for dinner? And he was like, whoa, 15 years of nothing, then you prayed for my family, and we got the phone call. So I love those stories. Um, I, I want to be real with you. We got to the point where he had a house lined up, um, and he, it, all he had to do was turn up on the day for the keys, and that was it, and he never showed up, and we've not seen him since. Some of these people's lives are so, so damaged that the, that's, the, that's the last time we hear of them. Sometimes we later hear things worked out, you know, so it's not, vanishing doesn't always mean something terrible, but it was pretty, pretty gutting. Um, Saying that, there's been a good, uh, um, I worked out to be 26 people uh, that we've recently helped move on into either their own place or into a Christian uh, community like the Oaks or into rehabilitation. Uh, And so those are all good stories. And and a lot of them, uh, there's a good uh, 10 or so that have said yes to Jesus as well en route, uh, which is cool. Uh, I remember we had one guy who, when he first came to us, decided he was going to go cold turkey (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, from heroin with us. I was like, oh, good, we have no medical training. Uh, <laughs> why don't you just take your methadone? Nope, decided I'm going to leave it, uh, which was against the advice that he had been given by everyone. Uh, what's amazing is he did 11 days, which is pretty good. And I remember this guy, because we've got CCTV downstairs, watching him upstairs hanging off one of the top bunks, shaking uh, as he was trying to come through this cold turkey. And... Um, in those moments, you think, God, what, like, what can I say to this guy? This is such a hard thing to watch. He was in so much physical distress. And um, he came down one night, and he spoke to Leighton, who's now a resettlement worker. And uh, Leighton, probably being more holy than me, went, tell you what, let's do a Bible study. <laughs> I was like, why would you do a Bible study? You can't even sit still, you know. But he said, let's do a Bible study. So they, they opened the Bible, and he said, I want to look at how Jesus heals and this guy had said to him, I guess so, I've got nothing else to do, you know, let's just whatever. And uh, so he did a, a very short sort of three-minute Bible study on how Jesus heals. And this guy went, all right, that's great, mate. He said, shall we give it a go then? And this guy looked at Leighton and went, what, what do you mean? And he said, shall we ask Jesus to heal you? And he said, oh, you can if you like. And, <laughs> and Leighton, assuming nothing, said, what should we pray for then? <laughs> this guy's like coming off heroin I thought that was fairly obvious and he he said to him but it was lovely because he gave the dignity of letting him choose so he said well my legs haven't stopped shaking for hours and I can't control them and it's it's really annoying (laughs) and so Leighton said all right let's pray for your leg and he said stop shaking in Jesus name and the leg stopped shaking and this guy went that's pretty good that's pretty mad um I haven't slept for five days because of the anxiety it causes could you pray that I could get some sleep 
So Leighton prayed for some peace. And at this point, this guy's got a bit more faith something might happen. Two minutes later, he was asleep in the chair. Leighton stopped praying. was like, he's asleep. The guy's snoring. Uh, and we had to ironically wake him to get him up to bed, but he did go back to sleep. Um, and, it was, and I was like, Leighton, what did you do? And he's like, I just prayed for him, prayed in tongues a bit, and just it sort of happened. So the, the next day, I'm on shift. So I was like, okay. This is my go. He's still coming off stuff, you know, but doing a little bit better, slept a bit. And he said, um, can you pray for me? And I was like, yes, I'd like to pray for you. And I prayed this big, eloquent Christian prayer, and it was going really well. And I thought, oh, this is a really good prayer I'm praying. I'm sure God's going to do something. And then he, he said, sorry, sorry to interrupt, mate. And I was like, right, yeah, okay. Uh, mid-sentence. And I was like, yeah, sorry, what is it? And he goes, can you do the other prayer? And I was like, what other prayer? <laughs> He's like, you know where it's in some other language? And I was like, all right, okay. So I just prayed for him in tongues. And he's like, brilliant. I'm going to fall off my chair. I'm so sleepy. going to bed. <laughs> it's just really funny when you think you know what you're doing and you have no idea what you're doing. Um, and so for me, it's kind of that combination of I, want, I do want to help people practically, but I also want, want them to discover that God loves them and encounter them. Um, and not every night is as fantastical as that, I'll be honest with you. Um, but, we, but it is still great that we get to pray with people every night. We get to sh- read the Bible with people every night, get to pray with people. And a lot of our volunteers come on their first night very nervous and come away going, oh, I'm going to sign up to do this regularly. And um, there's something... Uh, it, uh, we've, we've had almost no one come for one night and not come back again because there's something lovely about hanging out with these guys. Um, I genuinely really trust them. We have all these safety procedures in place and we follow them because we you know we search people and we make sure that cctv's on and we make sure that there's always a member of staff up every night we have all these procedures for safety it's really you have to remind yourself to do them because the guys are so nice <laughs> we've never had anyone pinch anything uh, in over t- 2,000 nights of people you know staying over so that's since january uh, we've never had a punch thrown you know um, we, honestly, sometimes volunteers are harder work than homeless people. The, these guys are not perfect, but they are genuinely uh, some really lovely people, just tired people that need a second chance and are just really grateful. A lot of them come in and go, this is just so much better than anywhere else we've been. Um, one of the first homeless guys who ever stepped foot on the bus um, said to me, I get the concept, I really like it. He said, why did you go for a luxury tour bus? He said, to me, this is like five star. I've spent two months sleeping on the concrete in the cold. And I said, the thing is, mate, God wants you to know how valuable you are to him. So I couldn't get a naff bus. And he burst into tears. And when he pulled himself together, he said, now I feel valued. For that, how good is that? Um, so if you want to come, come and come and value these guys, you know? Come and share with them. Come and pray with them. If you think... I've always heard in church about sharing my faith, but I just need an outlet. Well, it's great, because these guys are all expecting it anyway. If you came and didn't share something, they'd be like, oh, well, that's a shame. We were looking forward to that. Um, if you want to come and learn to share your testimony, come and do it. If you want to come and, and just pray with people, um, people are up for it, you know. Uh, so that's cool. I'll throw that out there. I think now's time to sort of open the floor. If anyone's got any questions, um, if not, I'll... I'll see you all on the bus afterwards. <laughs> um. Cool. I'm happy to run to you with a microphone if you want to put your hand up, if you have a question for Sid. Yes, John. Fab. Yeah. That's a good exercise for me. 
if you do volunteer and you work in Manchester, can yeah. you, can you get changed, showered, and ready for your to miss your commute in the morning? Uh, well, so what we do is, is our volunteers sleep in the cab, which closes off, all curtains off. It's much you can experience being a truck driver for the night, really. That's the experience. Um, showers would be difficult because um, we we share the showers with another shelter. It's quite busy, um, but everything else, yes, we'll we'll. Uh, you can have breakfast with us and you can change in privacy because the cab is its own bit. Um, there's free park in there. So we're, we're, like a, we're a fairly short walk from Manchester. It's not bad at all. We're, sort of, we're in Salford, but the end that's nearly in Manchester, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Right at the back. <laughs> How much integration is there um, between Embassy and the Mustard Tree and Barnabas? Yeah, good question. Um, we get quite a lot of our guests referred directly from Barnabas. Um, so we've worked with them from day one. That, um, so there's a lot, certainly a lot of work with Barnabas, because it's not just the referral, but then our resettlement worker talks with their team uh, to sort of keep up with... Um, our guest sometimes goes to Mustard Tree for meetings with them to support, so that's great. Mustard Tree don't tend to refer people to emergency accommodation, but I know Jez Green quite well up there, um, so we have a good relationship, uh, but I suppose we see them less frequently than Barnabas. Um, we, we're really closely associated with um, Manchester City Mission as well, because we park actually in their grounds, cook together, um, use their showers. They've been really good to us. Um, they're always at capacity, so for them, it's a great way to expand what's going on on the site. Um, and it's nice because... Because they're uh, an evangelistic uh, organisation, and so we, we've got that in common. Um, we've got, I don't know if you guys have ever come across Tough Talk. They're coming up from London to do a gospel presentation. They're the guys that hold the world records for powerlifting. They also share the gospel. So that's really good fun for a load of blokes. So we're, we're going to do that, but we're inviting all the guys from next door out to see that as well and, and so on. So there's quite a lot of, uh, we have to work in partnership for it, for it to work most of the time. Hi. I just wondered how many women you have on any of these buses, and are their challenges different to the men? Okay, so, um, so we've only got the one bus so far. Um, and uh, when we first did the research, we looked at whether we should do a bus for men or for women. I think doing a mixed-sex bus could be risky. Um, uh, and so uh, we had to make a choice. Uh, we did a whole load of research about... Uh, what availability there is for men and women. Now, it's about 15% of rough sleepers are women, so it, it's a real issue. Um, but, of course, the majority are men. Um, what we were told by all the homeless women we interviewed last year was that they wouldn't use the bus because they would want their boyfriend or partner to come with them. So that was one issue. The other one was that quite a few of the women are in, uh, involved in prostitution, so they said, we... We wouldn't be able to come every night. We'd be there one night, gone for three with clients back again. So we wouldn't be able to engage in your program. Um, and so it was, it was quite uh, a hard bit of research to do because we sort of were stared in the face by some really difficult facts. Um, but in the end, we decided we'd start with men because they all wanted to stay on the bus and the women didn't. They actually didn't meet a single woman that said, yes, I'd like to stay. It's interesting. Um, it doesn't mean that problem doesn't need addressing, but I think it needs a different 
Uh, so almost a different key for that one. Um, and so we have asked the question with the trustees about do we do, we do something smaller for women? Um, at the moment, the truth is that uh, we're we're sort of financially solvent till about March, and then we're, we're not sure, <laughs> which is why I'm asking for regular support. It's like we're trying to get a big plane off a runway, but running out of runway a little bit, so we're trying to extend that and, and, and get going. So um, we've been doing a lot of trying to get one-off grants and things to extend the runway, but the thing that will keep us going long-term is that regular support. I think then we can explore uh, new projects like working with women. We are exploring getting a load of uh, property as well, um, which someone else would buy and own, but lease to us. So we'd effectively be like a, a letting agent who also does the, the care in-house. Um, we find that we have to visit up to 10 houses per guest that we're trying to resettle. So that's really time-consuming uh, to find one that's actually decent. A lot of the pictures on Rightmove are not true to life. And so we, we often go to a, a house and find that it's a dump or that all the other people living there are, addi are addicted to something and not working. And so we don't want to put people back in that situation. So we expend a whole lot of time and energy trying to do that. So we are exploring that as well. Do we have our own properties? And then we can go, right, this trio works really well on the bus. We'll put them in there. They'll all be working, that kind of thing. Hi. I've seen that uh, quite a few rough sleepers have unconditional love and protection from their pet dogs, which mean a lot to them because dogs do not judge. They just love you, whether you're penniless or a millionaire. Can yeah. these people come on your bus or are they exempt because of their pet? Uh, we can't take pets um, for a number of reasons. Um, one, there's nowhere to put them. Uh, you'll see when you go on. We couldn't put them in the hold because it gets cold. Uh, plus, people's belongings go in there. Um, we also... Uh, some of our guests are Muslims, so wouldn't be able to mix with uh, dogs. Um, yeah, we've had to sort of make the decision to go with the guys. The, the hard truth is that if someone has a dog and they really want to get off the street, they'll have to leave that dog behind. And it, for some of them, that's the test of whether they're serious about moving on. There are some landlords that will take them, but they are very few and far between. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're up to with that. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. What we're going to do after the service is James will be at the back and I'll be at the bus. What I, what I will do is encourage you to come about 10 at a time. I don't know quite how we're going to manage that because otherwise you'll all get stuck upstairs with more people <laughs> trying to get in. Um, uh, but I'd love you to all, if you've got time, come and have a look. You can ask more questions there. That's great. That's Bro, cool. let's give him a round of applause, everyone. Bro. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.